This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Arab Shabbos to all of you, and it's a very special Shabbos indeed. First of all, we begin reading the new book of Devorim of Deuteronomy, the fifth and final book of the five books of the Torah, the five books of Moshe. And it is special because, as our sages tell us, it has a different type of tone to it. It's the words of Moshe, of course, the words of God, but through the voice of Moshe, and we'll talk about that soon. It's also Shabbos Chazon, the Haftarah, of course, is the one that precedes Tisha B'Av, the Shabbos that precedes Tisha B'Av, the vision of Isaiah. And what did he see? Well, what he saw was destruction. What he saw was destruction of the temple and the consequent exile of the people. He saw pain. He saw suffering. He saw hurt. But Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Abarditchev, the great Hasidic master, said, no, you have to look beyond that as well, because on this Shabbos, each and every single Jew is given a glimpse, he's shown a vision of the third Beit HaMikdash, the third temple, which, of course, is the promise of the Messianic time. And we have to understand what that, in fact, means and how it applies to us. And the third thing is this Shabbos, actually tomorrow is Tisha B'Av. It's the ninth of Av. But as it is Shabbos, we push the fast off for a day until Tzoyi Shabbat, Saturday night and Sunday, and our sages tell us something quite interesting. It says something that's pushed off, may it be pushed off, something negative that's pushed off, delayed, may it be delayed forever. So here we have a special Shabbos for, well, so many different things. And we have to understand, first of all, each and every one of those elements. And, of course, we have to understand the relationship between the two. Because this particular parasha, Devarim, always comes before Tisha B'Av. This is the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av. There is a direct relationship between the portion of the week and the events of Tisha B'Av and Shabbos Chazon, the prophecy of Isaiah, where he sees the destruction of the temple. And this year there is the added dimension where Shabbos is actually Tisha B'Av. However, it's delayed, it's pushed off until Saturday night and Sunday. And this is something which we look at every single year. What, in fact, is the intense message of the Shabbos? Because, in fact, it is an intense Shabbos. There are different customs connected with the Shabbos. There are those who add a tinge of sadness to it, a tinge of mourning to it, either in the prayers, the particular songs they sing, the particular melodies, also perhaps in the clothes, whereas our custom, certainly the custom of Chabad, is that no overt, no visible sign of mourning whatsoever on Shabbos, quite to the contrary, because it is a Shabbos where the fast has been pushed off, and we hope and pray that it's pushed off forever. It is a Shabbos of joy, and sometimes even intense joy. And one has to think about something like that as well. Isn't it a contradiction in terms? It is, after all, Tisha B'Av, and yet our open and overt, our visible behavior is something which reflects intense joy and happiness. And all these things have to be understood within the context of some sort of relevant message, what it means to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us, we go through the experience so many years, Tisha B'Av, Shabbos Chazon, the beginning of the Varim, and each and every single year, I would hope and pray that every one of us learns something new, understands something new, 
who looks at the Parsha with a new eye, listens to the Haftarah, the vision of Isaiah with a new eye, understands the concept of Shabbos delaying the fast of Tisha B'Av. And here we are trying to once again put meaning, understanding into our own lives. Yes, of course, we have to understand that objectively what in fact it actually means, but at the very same time, we are duty-bound to understand what it means to each and every single one of us. This is something which is so important in the study of Torah, in the study of any meaningful Jewish pursuit, to first of all understand that you're fulfilling the will of God in doing it properly, but at the very same time, you are indeed enhancing, uplifting, developing your own personality, your own character, your own being. You begin to think differently, you begin to behave differently, and you begin to understand things differently. You begin to present yourselves differently. This is the idea of becoming more and more Jewish. After all, as we know, we are a very complicated but magnificent combination of body and soul, physical and spiritual. God created man. He breathed into him the soul, the highest, the life, that which gives us the neshama, that which gives us the animation of life and all the gifts that we have of life to the very highest level. And this is something which, of course, becomes the journey of man, that we have to bring out the inner dimensions of the soul to the outer dimensions of our physical consciousness, where at one point or another, it might be, well, a conflict between body and soul. Body wants bodily things, physical things. The soul wants spiritual things, and they pull in different directions. Indeed, we are told by the first Rebbe of Chabad and Tanya how we possess two separate souls, the godly soul, Nefesh Elokis, and the animal soul, the Nefesh Bahamas, and they are in conflict with each other. Each one wants to rule over the human being, to take possession of the human being, so to speak. And there is this conflict. And we, as individuals, choose correctly, go forward, behave in a way which allows for the godly soul to remain and maintain a position of dominance within the consciousness of man. And this is the story. Each and every single year, each and every single day, we try to expose more and more of our inner soul to the outer consciousness of our physical being. It's a battle. It's difficult. It's not easy. It's the journey of life, and the journey of life is always a battle of life, but nonetheless a worthwhile battle, a battle that, in fact, when victorious, brings with it tremendous rewards, and not only rewards in the simple sense of the word rewards, I get something good because I've done something good. It's because in doing something which fulfills the will of God, which reveals the will of God, one in actual fact, is fulfilling, as you've heard me say so many times, fulfilling the ultimate purpose of creation. And this is the incredible journey of man, to allow the inner soul, to allow the essence of the soul, to allow that dimension of life which is godly, which is divine, to come into our consciousness. And when that happens, we think differently, we feel differently, we behave differently, we present ourselves differently, we are different people. Every single time we overcome the weakness of the body and allow for the strength, for the power, for the joy of the soul to express itself, 
we come to a new understanding of ourselves, indeed a great gift. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. So the Parsha, of course, is Devarim. Devarim is Deuteronomy. It's a review, a repetition of Moshe beginning by telling the Jewish people, well, in very subtle but very real terms, the mistakes they made and the bad behavior that they unfortunately, unfortunately expressed time and again, testing the patience of God. And Moshe speaks to them, these are the words, the very word devorim carries with it connotation of harshness, a harshness but at the same time couched within very delicate language. This is something which is important for us to understand, as all the commentaries point out at the beginning of this parsha, that Moshe, being that he's going to leave this physical world soon, he has to share certain things with the people. Now, we've spoken about this often in the past. What was the primary role of Moshe? What is his most significant mission? And that is, was he a prophet? Of course he was a prophet. Did he talk with God daily? Yes, he did. Was he a man of great wisdom and understanding? Without doubt, he had all those qualities and many, many more. But at the same time, his primary function is to be a leader of the people, to be a faithful shepherd, to take the Jewish people out of Egypt, to bring them to the border of the promised land, to guide them, to teach them, to elevate them. And from time to time, particularly as he's about to leave the world, to admonish them, to remind them what they did wrong. Because after all, when you think about something, if we don't ever get told where we have erred, where we have made mistakes, we'll never have the opportunity or knowledge or willingness to correct those things. If we avoid listening to any type of criticism, whether from within ourselves or from others, and we never hear an objective view of our shortcomings, of our mistakes, we can never develop, we can never grow. We will, meet, we will retain that position with our shortcomings and with our mistakes. And Moshe, as a devoted leader who cares about each and every single Jew, whose, well, major concern is the people, the growth, their relationship with God. He is incredibly concerned that they recognize the shortcomings, they recognize their mistakes, and they, well, do teshuvah, they repent, they do whatever is necessary in order not only to somehow eradicate the negative past, but also to ensure that in the future they don't make the same mistakes again. And this is why, At this particular time, before he leaves this physical world, Moshe talks to the people and he tells them. But at the same time, he talks to them in an indirect sort of way. He doesn't point out in very dramatic language and fashion, you've done this and you've done that and you've done the other. He doesn't do it that way. What he does is he refers to, well, a place or a time In a very gentle, coded sort of way, he reminds the people what happened at specific times, at specific places, where unfortunately their behavior caused God to become angry with them, and they were punished. He speaks about the Midbar, what they did in the 
in, well, in the wilderness, how they constantly complained to God, particularly when they thought they were running out of provisions, they no longer had any food or water. But our commentaries, particularly our Hasidic commentaries, point out something far deeper as well. Not only was this criticism or admonition said to them in a very gentle sort of way, it was also said in a way which introduces a mitigating factor. The fact that the Jewish people behaved incorrectly can be understood. The Midbor is a very, very dangerous and harsh and brutal place. Nothing grows. It's a place of emptiness. It's a wilderness. It's a barren place. And therefore, one can understand to a certain degree the Jewish people, well, becoming very, very frightened when they are running out of food or water and perhaps, yes, overstepping the mark in the way they turn to Moshe time and again when this happened. But at the same time, Moshe is giving them some sort of understanding that, yes, you did something wrong. We can understand why you did it wrong, but nonetheless, it was not the right thing to do. And as the Hasidic commentaries point out, in each and every single word that he says, when he speaks about the plains of Moab, the plains of Moab where the Jewish people unfortunately sinned in a terrible way, in a very immoral sort of way, it's because the Moabites were known for their intense immoral behavior. And therefore he says, Moshe, well, you were overwhelmed by this presence, you were overwhelmed by this challenge, and one can almost understand why, in fact, you behave badly, but it was incorrect in the eyes of God. And this teaches us, first of all, how to approach criticism, particularly when you are trying to help somebody else, and more so how, in general, a person must approach his whole form of communication instead of being brutal. You know, we talk about a world where individuals speak about honesty and openness and this and that. Well, I want to think that, uh, well, it's a bit exaggerated. It's a bit uh, dangerous sometimes. You know, you want to be honest, be honest with yourself. And even then, be careful of how you speak to yourself. But certainly when you speak to others, there is this constant reminder from our great teacher, Moshe, that you have have to do it in a gentle sort of way. Otherwise, the other person won't listen. You will scar the other person. You will hurt the other person. You will cause more damage than good. And what have you accomplished? You have accomplished very little. You've accomplished nothing. And this is how the opening portion of Devarim begins, where Moshe turns to the people and tells them in a loving, gentle, kind way, you've made terrible mistakes in the past. You're about to come into the promised land. I won't be around to defend you. Yes, from on high I will, from heaven I will, but at the same time, your leaders will be concerned and perhaps they won't have the intensity of love that I have for you. Perhaps they won't have the intensity of leadership that I have for you. And in fact, nobody rose to the level of Moshe. Moshe was in a class of his own. But at the same time, Moshe says, I want you to understand the past because in understanding the past, you understand your strength, you understand your origins, you understand what has to be done, you understand what has to be corrected. And this is the Parsha. And the Parsha goes on to speak about various dimensions of how the Jewish people, when coming into the Promised Land, one thing they always have to retain is a tremendous sense of strength and courage to stand up to the enemy. Yes, it might be a powerful enemy. You'll think they are formidable, 
But you have an inner power, an inner strength. Moshe not only admonishes the people, criticizes them slightly before he leaves this world, he also reminds them of who they are. He reminds them of the incredible strength and power and greatness that they possess. This is one of the ideas of knowing where we come from. Knowing where we come from enables us to know ourselves a little bit better. Very often, if we look at ourselves only within the context of here and now, we really don't know the greater dimensions. But when we look at ourselves from a context of a true an honest historical perspective, we begin to understand who we are. We know our strengths, we know our weaknesses, we know our power, and we know our duties, our responsibilities, how in fact to function in the world. Then we come to the Haftarah, Chazon. Shayahu talks to the people in the very same way that Moshe speaks to the people. He says, your behavior is going to result in absolute tragedy. Your behavior is going to result in the destruction of the temple. This is a well a long time before the destruction of the temple, but many years before that, Isaiah is already appealing to the people to change their ways. Don't you see the consequences of your behavior? Don't you understand? By behaving in a negative way, you create this incredible negative energy, and the negative energy means that you are removing the spirituality of your own environment. You are, in fact, obliterating the spirituality of the temple, and it will fall. You no longer understand your relationship with the Holy Land, the spirituality of within yourself, and the connection that you have with the Holy Land is being torn apart. And this is why you will end up in exile. This is what Yeshayahu is telling the people. Isaiah is pleading with the people. He says, I have raised, God says, I have raised children, and they have rebelled against against me. They've behaved badly. I gave them everything. I gave them love. I gave them protection. I gave them security. I gave them physical and spiritual sustenance, and yet they turn against me. Even a dumb animal understands the goodness that its master, that its owner, showers upon them. And yet you human beings who have the capacity for great understanding simply don't understand. And at the same time, we hear this pain, we hear this hurt, we hear this challenge that Isaiah Yeshayahu is extending to the people. What will be with you? What will be the end result of such behavior? But as I said before, Rabbi Levi, Yitzhak Abraditch of the great Hasidic master said, yes, we have to listen to the words of Isaiah in its literal sense, but at the same time know that you have to look beyond the immediate, you have to look beyond the obvious, you have to look beyond and recognize something greater and something deeper. And what is that? That is a vision of the third temple. Yes, the first temple was destroyed and the people were sent into exile into Babylon. Yes, the second temple was destroyed and the people were taken by the Romans into exile. Yes, the holy land was lost to the people for many, many, many years. But at the same time, remember that there will be a rebuilding. There will be a time that we will return. The coming of Mashiach, the rebuilding of the temple, the ingathering of the exile, the incredible majesty and joy of return. You have to look beyond. And on Shabbos Chazan, 
It's the Shabbos of the vision. Not only do we have a vision of impending doom, God forbid, but we look beyond that and we see a vision of rebuilding, a vision of returning, a vision of the third temple, the coming of Mashiach. And it's these ideas, it's these powerful elements that we have to somehow bring out from the inner dimensions of our neshama, from the inner dimensions of our soul, and make them real in our consciousness that we look at the world in a proper way. We'll talk about this idea a bit more soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the idea that the Parsha speaks about a historical review of the Jewish people. Moshe is talking to the Jewish people of the past, well, more than 40 years, even while they were in Egypt. Moshe is looking to the past and telling the Jewish people where they went wrong, what they've done, and about their accomplishments as well. And later in the book, of course, he's going to review many of the laws, many of the mitzvot, and give them a particular type of interpretation based upon his understanding and his leadership concern for the people. He will talk to them in a language that they will relate to. But basically what Moshe is doing, and this in fact is what Deuteronomy is all about. Deuteronomy is a review of the past, a historical overview of the Jewish experience up to that point. What is Shabbos Chazon? Shabbos Chazon is an amazing view of the future. Where Chazon Yeshayahu looks to the future, and as we are told by Rabbi Levitzok of Barditchev, we have to look to the ultimate future, which is a future of blessing and redemption and renewal, a future of Mashiach, a future of rebuilding the temple, the ingathering of the exile. And this Shabbos essentially is a Shabbos that we experience both the past, the history of the Jewish people, and the future, the destiny of the Jewish people. And this is something which is so important for us to understand. If you don't have a healthy understanding, an honest, a factual understanding of where you come from, you don't know where you're going to. And if you don't know where you're going to, then your historical experiences, unfortunately, come to an end here and now, in order to have a well-balanced and responsible view of self and the world, you have to have a strong understanding of where you come from, what your experiences were all about, and you have to have an honest vision of your destiny, what you hope to achieve and where you are going to. And it is this incredible Shabbos that always contains these two elements, the past and the future. We are the present. We are the here and now. We are that link in the chain that connects the past and the future. But it is so important to have a healthy, honest review of our history. And tragically, tragically, this element is missing so many times in the Jewish community, in the Jewish world, a true and honest understanding of where we come from. We listen to everybody. We understand everybody. And yet when it comes to our own sources, our own story, we often overlook that story. And it's so important for us to understand because when understanding our past, we begin to understand more and more, not only not only who we are, but how strong we are. As you've heard me say so many times, the great miracle of the Jewish people is the miracle of their survival despite 
every type of challenge, of obstacle, of difficulty, the Jewish people remain from the origins of time until the present day with a tremendous commitment to the destiny and the future of what we hope to achieve in this world, the coming of Mashiach, the rebuilding of the temple, the perfect world, the perfect creation that God saw at the moment when he brought this world into being. And this is so important. When we talk about Tisha B'Av, when we talk about this tragic day of destruction and exile, of pain, of suffering, of hurt, of expulsion from our promised land, it is important for us to understand that story within its full context and to listen to the words of the many prophets in the holy books, to listen to the story of the Jewish people and to watch their return, to watch their rebuilding and to watch their encounter with enemy, with difficulty and their survival. This gives us energy. This gives us power. This gives us the ability to carry on in the future. And this is the tragedy. The tragedy of the Jewish people, more than anything else, is the ignorance, the lack of understanding, the lack of knowledge, forgetting where we come from, forgetting who we came from, forgetting our story, forgetting our unique story. It is something which is read like a fable of the past, if at all, instead of reading it like something that is real and relevant and present and talks to us about the issues of present-day life. Yes, the way that we can encounter the challenges of our own experiences is by watching the Jewish people of the past, how they encountered their experiences and how they overcame formidable enemies of every type and yet survived. There were great losses. There was great pain. There is great suffering, but at the same time, the incredible, majestic, miraculous expression of Jewish survival, we are here. And we know where we're going to. We listen to the words of the sages. Shabbos Chazon, not only do we have the vision of Isaiah's destruction, but beyond that we have what he says at the end of the Haftarah, about a Zion will be redeemed and we will return. And through the mitzvot, through study of Torah, through giving of charity, all will be returned in an incredible, powerful way. The miracle of the future. And this is what this Shabbos is all about. Usually on Tisha B'Av, it's a day of fasting, a day of sadness, a day of, well, well, as you know what Tisha B'Av is. But at the same time, on Shabbos Tisha B'Av, well, overtly, in the public eye, nothing of that, we indeed celebrate Shabbos with an intensity of joy. And this is what we will do this Shabbos. Yes, tomorrow night after Shabbos, right after Shabbos, we will put on our non-leather shoes, take off our leather shoes. We will sit close to the ground or on the ground. We will listen to the recitation of Eicha Lamentations, story that Jeremiah painted about the loss and the destruction and the sadness. But over Shabbos, we will gain energy, we will gain strength, we will celebrate with a tremendous sense of joy because the fast day has been delayed, and in that delay, we hope and pray for a permanent delay where all blessing comes to the fore in the most powerful sort of way. So this is indeed a very, very special Shabbos. It's a special Shabbos when we celebrate the past, our history. It's a special Shabbos when we celebrate the future, our destiny. It's a special Shabbos where on Tisha B'Av we celebrate with a tremendous intensity as the Shabbos joy truly is 
all these three things come together. We listen to the words of Moshe. We listen to the words of Isaiah. We listen to the understanding of our souls on Shabbos. And together we create what in fact is a truly special Shabbos. So when you're in shul tomorrow, listen carefully to the story that's being read. Look to commentaries that point out the positive dimensions. Listen to the words of Moshe as he tells the Jewish people to be brave and strong when encountering the enemy. Listen to the words of Isaiah. Listen to the end of the Haftarah, what we have to do to bring about redemption and rebuilding. Understand that you do so in an atmosphere of joy and happiness. Good Shabbos.